0: In 1992, the Food and Drug Administration decided that genetically modified organisms were the functional equivalent of conventional foods. They arrived at this decision without testing GMOs for allergenicity, toxicity, antibiotic resistance, and functional characteristics. The aim of the seed industry is a trillion dollars of profits from royalties every year. And the aim is no farmer should have access to their own seed. The aim is every farmer should be forced into the market every year. All across our country, our people are becoming more and more conscious about the foods that they are eating and the foods that they are serving to their kids. And this is certainly true for genetically engineered food. Americans have a right to know if their food is genetically engineered. Hello and welcome to Mad Science, the genetic crossroad. I am your host, Anna Kavanaugh, and I want to thank you for joining me for the broadcast tonight. Discrowning the six kings, that's right, I said the six of them. Now you've heard me talk an awful lot about Monsanto in this show, and for very good reason. Throughout the entirety of the 20th century, Monsanto has been responsible for developing and exposing the populations to some of the most dangerous and toxic chemicals known to man, chemicals like PCBs, Agent Orange, DDT, and glyphosate, and then consistently lying about the devastating side effects of these in order to continue their business operations. Monsanto is mainly known, though, for the development and commercialization of genetically engineered products that have been infused into the U.S. food supply and those around the world. Yes, we know all about Monsanto. We know about the revolving door with U.S. governmental agencies. We know about the human health disaster, cover-ups with thousands suffering from unknown exposure to their toxic chemicals. We know about the bribes to government officials to advance the GMO business. We know about the exploitation of farmers and the relentless lawsuits. We know all about it Well, they may get the most attention but monsanto is not the only biotech royalty in the gmo palace and they're not even the worst there is something very very important to look at here and that is that there are other players in this game too players we rarely hear about in the news with all the bad press about monsanto they are the ones who have become the dirty word of the biotech agribusiness a notorious identity they deserve and have rightly earned But we must consider the other corporate interests in this industry as well, who have all enjoyed relatively little negative press next to Monsanto, yet they too are multi-billion dollar enterprises guilty of the same types of underhanded activity which places profit over human and environmental health. Who are these other corporations, and what is their involvement and place in the hierarchy of the agribiotech industry? How have they managed to stay under the radar and avoid public scrutiny for so long, Is it possible that as the competitive landscape shifts and changes in the near future, that Monsanto may be overtaken by one of these? These are just some of the questions I'll be examining in the show tonight, and by doing so, we'll hopefully give a more realistic picture of this questionable industry and shed some light on the disturbing aspects and possibilities that may be on the horizon for us all. First, let's talk about these companies as a group to give some perspective. The six agribusiness kings are Monsanto, DuPont, Syngenta, Dow, Bayer, and BASF. They make up an agricultural oligopoly, meaning a small group of companies controlling a large portion of any given industry. All of these corporations are multifaceted, having more than one market sector that they specialize in, but they all overlap in two main areas, chemicals and GMO agriculture. Collectively, they produce over three-quarters of all the chemicals used on the planet And they also control 60% of all seeds used to grow food crops. It's ironic that the same corporations who specialize in toxic chemical production are also the ones deeply involved in the production of the food we all eat. In fact, that was the whole premise of designing GMO crops in the first place. To genetically alter seeds in such a way that they are immune to the pesticide chemicals farmers spray on crops. The same pesticide chemicals that these companies sell And profit from now this group of companies has gained so much control that collectively they have enormous impact on world markets it is commonly misunderstood that Monsanto being the largest seed company controls everything in the industry well this isn't the case there is actually a history of fierce competition existing between these corporations that has created a balance of power For example, Monsanto had been waging war against DuPont since at least 2002 for infringing on their gene patents. There was ambiguity around this claim, so DuPont then countersued Monsanto, alleging that they had illegally obtained some of their patents and were in violation of antitrust laws. Several years and millions of dollars in legal fees later, the two decided to call a truce and drop the suits against each other presumably because they were both guilty, and also because the landscape of the biotech industry had changed in the span of 10 years. Monsanto was threatened by the antitrust laws, and DuPont for its patent infringement. But in the end, both companies benefited most by swapping newly developed technologies. Now, it's important to point out that the combined power and influence of the six kings is significant, Despite the fierce competition between them, they have still formed alliances with each other, as happened with Monsanto and DuPont, and this joining of forces has made certain markets unreachable to outside smaller companies in the business. The Big Six achieved this to varying degrees, mostly through buying out smaller companies, cross-licensing proprietary gene technologies and chemical processes with one another, and consolidating common research. Dow has agreements with four of the five other companies, and DuPont and Syngenta have each entered agreements with three of the others. These collaborations are clearly blatant oversteps in antitrust laws, giving them a clear-cut unfair advantage over any other competition outside the group. It allows these companies to hog all the business for themselves and set prices in the market. Yet the Justice Department looks away. In 2010, during the Monsanto-Dupont court battle, the Justice Department launched an antitrust investigation into the seed industry, and some called it a perfunctory PR move on the department's part because the investigation was suddenly dropped without a detailed explanation. They released a statement saying that marketplace developments affected their decision to stop the investigation, but declined to elaborate on what exactly that meant. This is highly suspicious and goes to reinforce the fact that big business runs the show. They operate somehow above the law, and they set their own rules. But let me get back to the point. Monsanto is one of the most hated companies on the planet, with the Internet, social media, and news headlines full of stories and articles declaring it to be one of the worst companies in the world. Although this is definitely true, let's focus on DuPont for a bit. Their biotech agriculture department, known as Pioneer, is essentially just as big in genetically modified seeds and agricultural chemicals as Monsanto, and pursues most of the same policies with respect to pricing and intellectual property. They have recently begun hiring gene police to enforce seed patents and monitor the fields of U.S. and Canadian farmers, a tactic long employed by Monsanto. They are also the largest producer of GMO soybeans in the U.S., controlling 36% of the market compared to Monsanto's 28%. Now here's the backstory of DuPont. They started as a chemical company in the early 1800s, and they gained a virtual monopoly, manufacturing gunpowder, making huge profits during the Civil War, and then expanded into various other military explosives. They are credited with a host of chemical products through the years that have become household names, such as polyester, neoprene, nylon, and teflon. Like Monsanto, DuPont was involved in the development of nuclear weapons in World War II and was also responsible for manufacturing Agent Orange, DDT, and PCBs. In the early 2000s, DuPont was charged with covering up the contamination of U.S. water supplies with c 8 a toxic chemical they use in the manufacturing of Teflon. C8 is a known carcinogen and is responsible for causing birth defects and other serious health problems. Studies have been conducted that show C8 has entered the bloodstream of much of the United States population. In fact, blood bank samples from across the U.S. showed that it is in the blood of over 95% of Americans. Just like Monsanto covered up their PCB contamination of Anniston, Alabama, for decades, so has DuPont concealed information about C8. They have intentionally withheld the truth about its deadly toxicity for the sake of evading legal ramifications and maintaining their profits. It may also be interesting to note from last week's show when I talked about Agenda 21, that DuPont is a founding member of the World Business Council for Sustainable Development with the United Nations and avid supporter of Agenda 21. This is ironic, considering that one of the missions of Agenda 21 is resource sustainability and environmental health. Yet DuPont is one of the largest contributors of air pollution in the world. What does all this mean? Simply that DuPont is guilty of the same types of flagrant corporate oversteps as Monsanto, and that they should be recognized as equally threatening. Another of the six kings is Syngenta, the largest biotech company in Europe. They are headquartered in Switzerland and are the third largest seed producer in the world, following Monsanto and DuPont. However, Syngenta generates $1.5 billion more revenue than Monsanto does. They are well known for developing GM crops with altered nutritional characteristics, particularly in rice. They developed golden rice, which is genetically enhanced with vitamin A, but it hasn't been thoroughly tested for safety. Despite warnings by scientists, Syngenta is pushing hard to have it approved for commercialization anyway, all under the guise of providing a more nutritional food source for more than half of the world's population. Syngenta is also leading research in gene silencing technology. They are already applying this to rice with the hope of turning off genes that cause allergic reactions. The grave risk with this is that other genes may be affected in negative ways, that is, shutting off when they're not supposed to shut off. And this has already been demonstrated in field tests where the gene sequence targeted to shut off in the rice happened to match exactly a gene sequence in humans responsible for producing a vital enzyme. When the rice gene was silenced, So was the human gene. The complexities and interactions between genes are still not understood well enough to justify incorporating this silencing technology into consumable products. Yet Syngenta is pressuring regulators to allow commercialization of them anyway. Syngenta is a world leader in the development of Terminator technology and holds more patents for this than any other company. This technology would allow them to retain control and ownership over their products even after they were sold to farmers. It could also be used to activate or deactivate traits in crops by spraying them with a proprietary agent owned by them. Although it has not yet been implemented, this technology is being seriously considered for use in countries where patent laws are not enforceable. Syngenta is also one of the top producers of the controversial neonicotinoid, or neonic pesticides. These are thought to be largely responsible for the colony collapse disorder seen in honeybee populations around the world. Although the scientific consensus is pointing toward this class of pesticides as the root cause of bee disappearances, Syngenta denies that they have played any role whatsoever in the bee collapse phenomenon. Classic corporate denial. Despite Syngenta's statements... Studies continue to appear, confirming that these pesticides cause bees to lose their orientation, never making it back to the hive. Recently, researchers in the U.S. fed tiny doses of high-fructose corn syrup laced with neonics to 16 hives in the field and left four hives untreated. For months, all the hives remained healthy. But after about six months, over 90% of the hives fed with the pesticidal corn syrup had collapsed. The fourth in line for the Six Kings is Dow AgroSciences, a biotech subsidiary of Dow Chemical, which is the second largest chemical company in the world. AgroSciences recently announced that they have just received regulatory approval to produce the world's first plant-produced vaccine through a process known as farming. This is a big deal in the pharmaceutical industry and sets a precedent for more plant-based pharmaceuticals to come. The unsettling problem with farming is that since it is GMO-based, it will drift and contaminate other crops. This means that through time, food crops will inevitably contain elements that are not necessarily intended for all consumers. In other words, you may ingest a food product that accidentally contains a vaccine or medicine that you have an allergic reaction to. They are also on the verge of introducing their new Enlist Corn product to be used in combination with their Enlist herbicide. This new herbicide combines the weed killers 2,4-D and glyphosate together for a much more potent cocktail than glyphosate alone. 2,4-D is extremely toxic and is a component of the defoliant agent orange. Dow's plan is to use this herbicide to control the recent explosion of superweeds now afflicting GM food crops across the country. One of the initial selling points of the biotech industry was that less pesticide would be needed to control weeds, and the exact opposite has proven to be the case. Critics warn that adding more herbicides to superweed infestations will only expand and accelerate weed resistance, creating an unbreakable and vicious cycle. Regardless, Dow said it expects to receive approval later this year, after which it will ramp up production of its GM corn and accompanying 2,4-D herbicide. Canada has already granted approval for October. Dow is no stranger to controversy. They were producers of napalm, used in Vietnam, and also manufactured dioxin, a component of Agent Orange. At one of their production plants in Midland, Michigan, they resisted giving the EPA key documents concerning dioxin leakage into the waterways of the town. It was later revealed that an EPA official allowed Dow to edit a report that removed blame from them for the toxic disaster. And later, they launched a $3 million campaign to persuade the public that dioxin was nothing to worry about. This, despite having conducted tests on prison inmates years earlier, proving it was fatal to humans. This seems to be the MO of these corporations. Create dangerous products without regard for human life, expose the public to these products, and then attempt to cover it up when people get sick. But as if this isn't bad enough, Dow AgroSciences has now recently stepped into a new technology that might overhaul the GMO industry altogether, and possibly place them in a position to dethrone Monsanto. For decades, plant breeders have been irradiating seeds with x-rays to induce random mutations that may or may not lead to interesting new traits. This was the precursor to genetic engineering technology, which has allowed for more control in shaping traits, but still requires extensive procedures that are very costly, in the millions of dollars. But now, using new methods known as site-specific mutagenesis, Dow is able to modify plant genes without adding foreign DNA, reducing costs considerably. They call it the zinc finger technique, and it also allows them to completely sidestep any regulations that apply to GMOs. Now think about the implications of this. They are able to reshuffle genes without the need of foreign DNA. This means they can create new patentable gene sequences. It achieves the same end product as using GMO techniques, but at a fraction of the cost and in much less time. But the kicker is that now they don't have to call it GMO. Regulatory agencies don't recognize it as a GMO product. So using this method, Dow can avoid the public scrutiny and negative press that GMOs have come to attract. And this potentially makes GMO labeling already obsolete. It remains to be seen if the rest of the world will accept this new procedure as equivalent to a hybrid process. But for the biotech industry the appeal of modifying plant genes with patented techniques while avoiding regulatory review and the tainted transgenic label is spurring new alliances. Does this spell the end for Monsanto? Doubtful, but it does suggest a possible new era in biotechnology that does not work in the consumer's favor. The fifth agribusiness king is Bayer Crop Sciences, the biotech division of the original German chemical and pharmaceutical company that created Aspirin. Bayer has a dark past and long list of public health crimes and cover-ups, making them perhaps the worst offenders of all six companies. During the First and Second World Wars, they employed slave labor. They manufactured chemical weapons and collaborated with the Nazis by experimenting on prisoners, and they provided chemicals and gas for the extermination camps. They profited greatly throughout the war and continued to prosper afterward. In the mid-1980s, they sold a product called Factor VIII Concentrate to treat hemophilia. It turned out to be infected with HIV, and in the U.S. alone, it infected thousands of hemophiliacs, many of whom died. Amazingly, they continued selling Factor VIII to Asia and Latin America. This was considered one of the worst drug-related medical disasters in history. In 2001, Bayer was taken to court after 24 children in a remote village in Peru were killed and 18 severely poisoned when they drank a powdered milk substitute contaminated with a Bayer insecticide. The list goes on and on with this company and gives frightening insight into their character. They now specialize primarily in agricultural chemicals, which includes neonicotinoids, a family of pesticides they developed. They have been sued by beekeepers around the world for the devastating effect these pesticides continue to have on bee colonies. The last of the six kings, BASF, headquartered in Germany, is the largest chemical company in the world and in the top three agrochemical companies worldwide, controlling 53% of the global market. Monsanto doesn't even come close. They are tied with Bayer in being involved with the Nazis in World War II, where they supplied poison gas, ammonia, sulfuric acid, and many other chemicals. After the war, they expanded rapidly and have grown into a Goliath-sized company spanning the globe. BASF serves more branches in the biotech industry than all of the other companies. They would be considered the jack-of-all-trades, dealing in large volume. They have customers in over 200 countries supplying products such as coatings, pharmaceuticals, pesticides, and fertilizers to a wide variety of industry. Despite their size and global presence, they have received relatively little public attention. In 2010, BASF was approved to commercialize its GM potato, known as Mflora, in the European Union, but decided to withdraw due to a lack of support for this particular GM food and they are now attempting to have three other GM potato varieties approved for commercialization there. After taking a look at some of the details of each of these biotech chemical companies, it puts things in a better perspective. For all of the incredibly bad things Monsanto has done and continues to do, its rivals have done largely the same, yet they're not called out for their actions. Monsanto is the largest GMO seed seller in the world, but they rank below four of the other five companies in revenue. They have taken unforgivable actions against the citizens of the world, but so have the others, and some arguably to a greater degree. In no way is this broadcast intended to defend or excuse Monsanto. Rather, we must understand that Monsanto is only one member of the elite royal biotech family, and while they may be talked about the most, The other five are hiding comfortably in the shadows, carrying out the same work, collecting their mighty profits at the highest cost imaginable, our human health. Consumers cannot fight one king in this war and expect to win. We must unfortunately fight them all, all six of them. But we cannot do that if we do not pull the other five out of the shadows and into public awareness. It is my hope this broadcast tonight Helps to do just that. And now I'd like to move on to a part of the show called The Listener's Voice, where folks out there can write into the show through the website and share their thoughts and comments and ask their questions, and I'll get to as many as I can at the end of each show. And first up, we have Kyla. Uh, Kyla B. writes into the show and says, Love the show, Anna. I've been wanting to write in for a long time with an embarrassing question and finally got the courage up to do it. My husband and I have been trying to get pregnant for months, and it's not happening. I've heard that GMOs can cause sterility in men. I was wondering if you've heard of them affecting men uh, and women in the same way. Well, hi, Kyla, and thank you so much for your question. Uh, It's actually a really great question, and it's certainly not silly. Um, There are many documented cases showing sterility occurring in male livestock on GMO diets. Uh, And this has led to the notion that they may be the only ones affected in this way, but it turns out that females are also affected. Uh, Female animals being studied showed an alarming increase in an inability to get pregnant, as well as a spike in premature births, low birth weight babies, and infant mortality after being fed a regular diet of GMO. Uh, farmers have also commented that when livestock were taken off of a GMO diet, they returned to a normal, fertile state. Uh, you know, so how does this translate to humans? Well, you know, it's true that GMOs are in pretty much everything we eat if we're not on a strictly organic diet. But it's usually in very small quantities compared to a drove of cattle eating shovels of BT corn every day. Uh, but based on studies, humans would experience very similar symptoms if their diet was scaled, uh, you know, to animal studies. So that raises a lot of questions, doesn't it? Because we're seeing uh, issues with fertility in humans uh, on the rise more and more. Uh, So I would definitely discuss this with your doctor. Thanks for writing in with your question, and I wish you the very best of luck. And up next, we have a comment from Paulina Beard, uh, who writes into the show, to say, Hi, Anna, just a quick comment for you. I loved your show last week about Agenda 21, and I'm glad you're back on the air. I've learned more from listening to the archives of your show than I ever wanted to know. It's hard to believe this is all going on right in front of our eyes, but as scary as it is, I'm hooked. I'm a much smarter shopper now, and I have you and your show to thank for that. Well, thanks so much, Pauline, uh, for that. I am so glad you are getting something meaningful out of the show that you can use in your daily life uh, because that's what this is all about. Uh So thanks so much for taking the time to write in with your kind words about the show. Take care. And moving on, uh we have a question from Elisa uh, who asks, I don't know if anyone's asked you this already, but can you get GMOs? by kissing someone i am more aware about them now that i'm learning more but my boyfriend doesn't care i'm wondering if he's contaminating me or if i'm contaminating him well hi Elisa, good question you know it actually may not be so clear-cut of an answer though uh you know it's true that certain gmo bacteria can survive the digestive process and live in your gut um, but if they can live in the gut, then it's possible they could be transferred. Uh, but we have to remember, too, that GMOs aren't just in foods, but exist in other consumable products like ChapStick and lip balms. You know, does your boyfriend ever use those? Um, ask yourself, you know, if you can be contaminated with someone else's bacteria, then you can probably be contaminated with GMOs that happen to be on them, Um uh, and 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 vice versa i suppose you could be contaminating him too um you know but but keep it in perspective it's not you know like you have a disease or he has a disease either um but of course you know if in some way you're ingesting a product that contains gmo then you know you're obviously getting that so thanks for the question and for writing in take care and up next we have kelly woods kelly writes in Your show is my main source of information on this important topic, so I want to thank you for doing everything you're doing. I'm confused about how the food manufacturing people work. Do they set out to make a specifically GMO product? Why would they do that? Well, hi, Kelly. Thank you so much for your kind words about the show. I'm so happy to hear you are finding it a great resource for you. Uh, In answer to your question, you know, some do. Uh, Some companies will specifically create a GMO product. It's cheaper. I mean, that's really what it all comes down to in the industry. But what's important, really, to understand is that it isn't so much about making this mayonnaise or that cereal a GMO product. Think of it more like baking a cake or building a casserole. Uh, It's more that the ingredients making up the final food product contain GMO. Uh, You know, for example, nearly everything is made with some form of corn element, like corn syrup, for example. So... You know, we have these main GM crops that are being grown, but they are base ingredients in the products that we're eating, and that's why they're in so many things. So I hope that clarifies things just a bit for you. Thanks for writing into the show. And with that, I've run out of time in this segment. If you would like your question or comment to be featured on the show, I would absolutely love to hear from you. Just pay a visit to the website at www.geneticcrossroadradio.com and follow the link to the listener's voice. Once there, just fill in the form and send me along your thoughts or your questions. I will feature as many as I can during each broadcast. Your voice, it really does matter and will help make a difference in both the future of our food and our human health. This show is a conversation, and that's where all change begins. So let's get talking. I also want to tell you about the Facebook page for the series. If you are enjoying the show and would like to participate in some more interactive communication, I would love for you to come give a like and join in at www.facebook.com slash Anna Kavanaugh Mad Science Genetic Crossroad. The show is also on Twitter at www.twitter.com slash GMO Mad I also want to tell you about Living Eden Magazine, which I launched just a few months ago. It is full of resource material, news, articles, and more. So if you would like to become a subscriber, please visit the website at www.livingedenmagazine.com to learn more. Thank you for listening to Mad Science, The Genetic Crossroad. Please join me every Tuesday for more on GMO. On next week's show, that's Tuesday, August 13th, we'll continue our conversation with an episode named The Chemical Burn. Agent Orange, PCBs, DDT, glyphosate. These are words that many of us believe are in a deadly past of devastated lives. There are also new and just as deadly toxic cocktails in the pipeline today, such as dicamba, Many of us have believed that chemicals such as these are no longer allowed for use, or that at least in extreme cases they are heavily regulated. Yet the U.S. government has recently approved the increased use of Monsanto's pesticides in crops. And what's more, the biotech industry still tries to promote these as being safe for us. What are the real dangers for consumers and for our environment? We're going to look into the shadows on the dark side of this frightening industry. I hope you'll join me for next week's broadcast. If we destroy nature, surely nature will destroy us. For while we may hold dominion over nature, we do not possess its wisdom. Until next time, be well, be healthy, and be informed.